0: Before we begin, I'm going to read a little passage from the first part of the book of John, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And this is what it says In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the joy of just getting to know you. And I pray that you would just come into this place, that you would speak through me, that it would be you and not me speaking, that you would help us to realize who you are, and that in You we can have victory over the pains, the loss, the sins, the doubt, all that we struggle with, all that is plagues us daily. Help us to find You and to see that victory in You and walk in You as we become alive because of You. It's in Your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So how many of you have ever been given a really good gift in life? I'm going to show hands. Some of you? How many of you have been given a subpar gift that you're like, ah, right, a few of us in here? I know I've received that once when, uh, when I was in seminary. We went to a missions fair and went to a church and they were doing a big raffle. And in that raffle, there was three prizes. One was an all expenses paid trip for a mission trip to Guatemala for a week. Like two, $3,000 trip, churches paying it, sending someone there for free. The second one was a free trip to Israel for two weeks as a tour of the Holy Land, going to Jerusalem, going to the Galilee, the Dead Sea, all these places. You're talking like a six to like $10,000 trip free. And the third one was a hand carven fish. Guess who won the fish? This guy. I will never get my best friend David's face out of my mind as I go up and ever, the two people who like won the, you know, international trips are like, woo! And they're like, here's your fish. I'm like, thanks, great. Sometimes our gifts don't meet our expectations, right? Another one that I can remember is my old boss, Ed. He said he won a radio contest once they're doing a contest on who had the worst birthday gift ever. And he's like, I easily won this. And actually, the radio host apologized for him because this gift was so awful. He said when he was like seven years old, his grandmother gifted him three grave plots in a no like, random town in Alabama. And he didn't even live in Alabama. And he's like, thanks, Grandma. And then like the next one was like Legos, it's like grave plots. I think he still has them to this day. And so sometimes we get a gift in life that does not meet our expectations, right? But I want to show you this morning that there is a gift that we've been given that blows out all expectations, and that is the gift that God the Father gave to us in John three sixteen. It says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." that whomsoever shall believe in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, God the Father sent His Son to us. That He would live a perfect life, that He would die on a cross for our sins and our failures, so that we may be with God again. You see, our sins keep us from God But God loved us enough that while we were sinners, think about that, while on our worst day, most unlovable person we can be, Jesus loved us enough to die for us. But here's the thing, Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. And this is the gift that God has given us. Now as we look in John chapter 20 here, we're going to look at the disciples. In the days after Jesus resurrected from the grave, you see, these guys had not yet seen Jesus alive. And you see, their whole kind of world changed. See, before this, Jesus came to them. The first thing he says to the disciples when he first meets them is, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then he takes the next three years and shows them how to do it personally, one-on-one. And these guys saw everything. They saw Jesus turn water into wine. They saw Him calm the storms by just telling it to. They saw Him walk on the sea. They saw Him expel demons from people. They saw Him heal people. They saw Him even reverse death itself. These guys thought Jesus was coming to be their Messiah, as in their King. They thought that He was going to come in, kick Rome out of Jerusalem, re-establish a throne in Israel and make Israel a kingdom forever. That's what they thought. And then Good Friday happened. And they saw this person who they thought was going to be king, tortured, crucified, and die. Their whole world changed in an instant. And for some of us, we we have had those moments in life where news came our way and our lives changed in that moment for the worse. And that's where we leave, or we start with these guys today. In John chapter 20 and verse 19, it says this: On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews. See what happened. Is what's happening here is Jesus is dead in their minds. He's dead. And now they're afraid. Why? Because the Jews are the one who killed Jesus, right? They're the ones who gave Him up to be crucified. And guess who's second in line? These guys. And so they're afraid. They don't know if the Jews are going to come after them and kill them. So they're in this room together. Doors are locked out of fear. And so fear is really taken over their minds. But not only that, there's probably some discussions going on because earlier that same day, Another one of Jesus' followers, a girl named Mary, had gone to a tomb to prepare Jesus' body, but Jesus' body wasn't there. And she went and told the disciples that John and Peter run and they see the tomb is empty. And then Mary says that she met Jesus alive. And so these guys are in the room probably discussing all this. Are the Jews going to kill us? Is Jesus really alive? Do we really believe what Mary said? All these things fighting are fighting in their minds. Fears and doubts. And then you see this happen. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when He had said this, He shown them His hands and His side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw The Lord fears, doubts, anguish, everything consuming their minds. And in an instant, Jesus steps into the moment. And what's the word he says? Peace. All these things that consume them, Jesus takes it away by just showing up into their life. And here he stands in this moment, alive, and he even shows him the nail marks on his hands and then the spear mark on his side of going. It's not just a spiritual resurrection, it's a physical res- re- resurrection. He is back, victorious as we sung a minute ago. Victorious over all the things that went against him, all the schemes of the men who wanted to kill him, all the shame that he felt when he was going down the Via Dolorosa to be crucified, all the doubt that people felt, death itself, and even sin itself. You see, when Jesus was crucified, He didn't just sit on a cross and die just a physical death, but in that moment, He took on all the sins of humanity. All the things that we've ever done, thought, said, Jesus took into His body in that moment, and He experienced the full wrath of God, the punishment that we deserve for our sins, He took it for us. And He died for those sins, but now He's back showing death is not more powerful than me. He is more powerful than death. He is more powerful than sin. He's more powerful than fear and shame. And in this moment, you see this happen with the disciples because they're experiencing all these things and then it's gone. Because here He is. And the victory that Jesus has had can still is theirs and can be ours if we would let Him. If we would let Jesus into our lives, if we would let Jesus take over, He is promising victory over all these things. Meaning nothing will ever bind you again. John eight thirty six says it this way, that from who the Son sets free, they are free indeed. The disciples' hope is in Christ. I hope that our hope is in Him as well because this is what it means to be alive. If you want to be truly alive, resurrected from a dead life, you have to start with believing in Jesus and then being like Him. But it doesn't just end there. You go on to verses 21-23. through It says this, And Jesus said to them, Again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when He said this, He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus comes back from the dead and immediately goes into the mission. What was the first thing He said to the disciples? Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That mission didn't stop at the cross. That mission is still going onward. And He is telling them that I'm going to send you out to the world to tell the world of what He, Jesus, has done for all of humanity. And I want us to think about the honor of that, how Jesus said this year. Jesus says, just as the Father sent me, so now I'm sending you. He says he breathes the Holy Spirit onto them. So you see each part of the Trinity at work. The Father who loves, the Son who is now sending us, and the Holy Spirit who is in us. All at work. You see this reflected back when he, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. He's the one who sinned. The Father says, this is my Son who I'm well pleased, who I love. And then the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. And in this moment, Jesus is going, I'm going to give you the honor of what God the Father did for me. I'm going to do for you now. I'm going to send you out. And if you believe in Jesus, then you are beloved by the Father. You are sent by the Son, and the Holy Spirit resides in you. I want us to understand the honor of that, that God is saying, I want you to be like me. And you're going to join in this crazy, amazing mission that started with 12 in a room 2,000 years ago and has affected the entire course of the world to today and onward. That Jesus is making us alive because this is what being alive looks like. It's believing in Him, it's being like Him, but it's also going into the world to share Him. These three parts are the fulfillment of being alive in Christ. Because a lot of times when we think about Christianity, Sometimes we look at it as kind of boring, right? Because typically we look at Christianity as like, oh, I believe in Jesus and now I'm going to heaven. And it's like, you high five Jesus and be like, see you when I get there. I should probably do more good than bad in my life. And, you know, just kind of do my own thing. And if I want to earn merit points, I go to church. And if I want to earn brownie points, I'll read the Bible. And if I want to be like a pastor, I should probably witness to people. But that's how we kind of see Christianity someday. And that's just a sad, unfulfilling view of Christianity. Christianity, what it means to be like Christ. Christianity, basically when you're called a Christian, you know what you're being called? Little Christ. You're being like Christ. And what that is, is believing in Him, but being falling in love with Him being a part of the church, the bride of Christ, and then going and telling. When we do these things, then you understand what being fully alive in Christ is really all about. Because Jesus was on a mission. A mission to make fishers of men. And He is still doing that this way. The book of Ephesians says it like this. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10. through 10, It says this, "...for by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not of your own doing." It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus is saying, you've been saved by the grace of God. You can't earn your way into heaven. You've been saved because He loves you for good and for good works for us to go into the world to tell about Him and to be like Him, to be alive. But He also wants to know that you're not alone in this. Not only does He give you the bride of Christ, which is the church, is where not, not where we are, but who we are as believers in Christ. And He's also saying this, that He is with you when you go out, when you live your life. If you look in the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. We remember that part. But at the very end, do you remember what Jesus says? He says, surely I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Jesus is going, when you go out and you tell people about Christ, it's not just you. He's saying, I am right here with you. But he doesn't even stop there. He, on this moment, He breathes on the disciples of the Holy Spirit. And for us, it's looking at when we get saved, the Holy Spirit lives within us. And I know the Holy Spirit for you know Southern Baptists is kind of like the, the odd duck of the Trinity. Like We don't really know a lot about Him, right? You're just like, is He like a ghost? Or, I know He's holy. But I don't really know a lot about Him, but He does so much for you. First of all, He does this thing called sealing. He seals you for the day of redemption. And what that means is this. When you accept Christ, you cannot lose your salvation. Because He's saying, I've got you now. And I won't let go. Even though you may go down routes, you shouldn't go. He said, I will keep you to that day for you to get to heaven. He also, He convicts us of the sins that we commit in this life. He reveals the Word unto us. He helps us to be righteous in this life. And then, when we lack things like the fruit of the Spirit, you know, joy, peace, patience, patience, you know, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self control, when we look at ourselves and go, Well, I don't have these things, the Holy Spirit is like, Well, I do. And I will give them unto you if you'd ask. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And not only that, but He is speaking through us. When we speak, see, a lot of times when we t- think about telling people about Jesus, we kind of put the whole weight of like the kingdom of God on our shoulders, like, if I fail this, <laughs> Christianity fails. And you're just like, or the Holy Spirit's like, no. Because here's the thing, and here's a thing to relieve us of a burden you can't save anybody in and of yourself, only God can. All Jesus says, be like me, and then tell people what about me i'll do the work i'll speak into their hearts what my word says will go out and will do exactly what i meant for it to and if they make fun of you or something then i'll reward you when you get to heaven you have nothing to fear from this but only benefit he's saying go and show and let me show the world what i've done he's inviting us into this work And I hope we realize that power that lives within us. To be loved by the Father. To have the Son with us. And have the Holy Spirit inside of us. But let's be honest. Sometimes we doubt this, right? Sometimes we doubt the first part, which is salvation. Sometimes we doubt the second part, like, am I capable of telling people about Jesus? The Bible doesn't shy away from this, by the way. In fact, we meet another person here, a guy named Thomas. And if I were to ask, what's the adjective we like to put on Thomas's name? We all know exactly what we're talking about, right? Which is doubting. What a great way to be remembered, right? Good old doubting Thomas. Let's learn a little bit about him right now. Verse 24, John chapter 20. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciple told him, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, but Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my hands into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now we give Thomas a lot of grief, right? Doubting Thomas. But here's the thing. He's one of the most relatable people in all of Scripture. I mean, When you think of Thomas right here, this guy heard those words of Jesus, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He spent his last three years watching Jesus heal people, doing all the miracles. He gave his life, his future to this man, thinking he's going to be king, and everything in my life I give to him now. In his mind, he's gone. I saw him crucified. I saw him die. I saw him buried. And the pain and the anguish of this moment is very real for Thomas. I mean, have you ever had something happen to where you put all your eggs in one basket? You, You were after one thing and then it just fell apart. This is what Thomas is going through here. He gave it his all and now he's wondering for what? What was it worth? And so for us, I think it's so relatable. Because some of us may not believe in Jesus, and you kind of think of like a God, like there being a God or somebody being raised from the dead. And you're just like, I, I don't know about that. Or maybe you're a believer or an unbeliever, and you look at the sins in your life and go, Can God really save me from what I did? You don't know what I've done. How can God really save me? Or maybe you see all the evil in the world and think, how can God be good if He allows all this? Or maybe something's come across in your life. The diagnosis happened that you weren't expecting. Or the death came. The loss came. The job went. And you're sitting there going, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I don't hear God answering me. And so you're angry. I think this is what Thomas is going through here. Because for Thomas, when he he says, unless I see it, I see the nail scars. I see the spear where it cut him in his side. I think what he's getting at here is don't give me false hope. let's be honest, those of us who have gone through really hard times in life, false hope is one of the worst things ever, right? I thought this treatment would work. I thought this job would pan out. I thought this would happen and then it fell. And now I feel like I'm in a worse place than when I began. And I think that's what Thomas is getting at here going. I can't handle it. It's safer for me to doubt you than for that to not be true, that if he's not really alive, I can't handle losing him again. So what happens here? Verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then He said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see My hands and put on your hand and place it on My side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And So just like He did before with the other disciples in the exact same way, locked door and all, Jesus steps into the moment and all the doubt all the fear, all the, just everything that Thomas is feeling in this moment shreds away with Jesus' simple words, peace be with you. Now I think in that moment too, you probably saw like the other disciples like, I told you, he's back, right? Now you see him, right? But for Thomas, here he is. All the things that I thought ruled my life, gone. Because the real ruler of my life has stepped right in front of me. And here he is, alive. And you see this, and Jesus comes up and goes, put your hands here. He's not just back spiritually, he's back physically. He's back for real, right? And Thomas, in this moment, takes his eyes off his circumstances, and off all the things around, and he puts them where they need to be, right on Jesus, who looks him in the eye and says, do not disbelieve, but believe. And this should echo out to all of us in this moment. And Thomas then answers him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to them, or to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet have believed. In this moment, you see a confession by Thomas. He sees Jesus for who he really is, my Lord and my God. That moment right there, that's not him just be like, if you ever, you know, almost got hit in a wreck and you say something you probably shouldn't say, right? This is not what Thomas does, like, my God, he's not doing that. But he's stating the fact of the matter. This is how the book of John works, by the way. Well, we read at the beginning, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. That Word there is Jesus. Stated at the beginning, and now claimed here at the end of Thomas going, my God. When you look at the book of John, the whole book of John is about this. Jesus is God. So if you want to know what God's all about, read this. And here's the thing. How does it affect us in being alive? It's to understand that if Jesus is God, you know who's not God? Me. You know what also isn't God? Our sins. Our circumstances are not God. Our fears are not God. Our doubts, they are not God. So if Jesus is God, let's look to Him and quit looking to those things that seem to control everything in our lives but instead to look to the one who is God. As Hebrews 12 talks about, let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Him. Now Thomas got to do what we would love to do, right? To see Jesus. I heard a pastor once say, that if we, when we got saved, if we could only spend three seconds and see Jesus face to face, it would change everything about our lives. What we, what we prioritize, what we do, if we could just see him with our eyes. But Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without seeing to have faith that Jesus is who He says He is, that He's done what He said He's done, that He loves you like He says He does, and that He is with you. We are at no disadvantage believing in Jesus through faith. But instead, we are blessed. Instead. Romans 8, 37-39 says it this way. Let look at here says this no in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us for i'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus he says this that if you believe in christ you are more than conquers Jesus comes into this moment here to the disciples victorious over all the things the world has done to him over all the sins that we did to him and he is sitting here going you believe in me and victory is yours as well now does that mean your life will be you know perfect all the Christians should say no right Does that mean that sin's not going to put up a fight against you? Does that mean circumstances still aren't going to come against you? No, those things will come. Jesus says, and I think it's Matthew, that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Meaning if I believe in Jesus, my victory is in Him. The circumstances will not rule me. The sins that I've done, they are not permanent. They are not bound to me but I will want to have victory in Christ. Now that may come later than you want it to, but Jesus is saying, you believe in me. You have faith in me. And if we do that, you will experience what it means to be alive in Christ. Acts 4.12 sounds it this way that salvation is found in no other name under heaven given unto mankind by which we must be saved. Meaning that the only way to be alive, the only way to have your sins forgiven is to believe in Jesus. To remember that the Father loves you. The Son is with you. And the Holy Spirit is in you if you believe. And you are alive. And that should give you a lot of hope, right? Should give you a lot of hope that there's more to this life. That we have hope that we can be truly alive. We can have the hope that death is not the end of us, that our sins can be forgiven, and that if we believe in Jesus, they are forgiven, that we can be righteous and that we are not alone that Jesus never sends out anybody alone, that He has made His bride, the church, the body of believers, those who are now alive together. We have that. And we have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit. But here's the question. The one that we all need to answer is, do we believe it? Do we believe that Jesus really did die for our sins? Do we really believe that He can make us alive? That he can forgive us of all things. That he can give me purpose and passion in this life. And that by living in him, I can actually be alive. I'm going to finish with rereading John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 again. But this time I'm going to change one word, and that's the word word. I'm going to put it in the proper tense of Jesus. John chapter 1 In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus was not anything made that was made. And in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Whatever darkness may be in your life right now, whatever darkness may seem to encompass around you, run to the one who pierces the darkness, who already has victory. If the world seems to be getting darker and darker around you, then the light of Christ has never diminished. So run to Him, and in Him you will find life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You for the day, and I thank You for You. You are the Son of God. You came to this world to save me, save everybody in this room, because Your heart is that none of us may perish. You hate sin, and sin destroys us daily, but You came to die for the punishment of sin. And I know for a lot of us in this room, we may not feel alive. That we may have doubts in you, or doubts in ourselves. But I pray that you would pierce the darkness of our circumstances. That you would pierce the darkness of our lives. And you would shine bright to us. Help us to understand that you are back. Death could not hold you. The grave could not keep you. But you are alive. And because you live, so can we. I pray for all of us that we would see that. That we wouldn't be blinded by the heartaches of life and the circumstances and all the things that distract us, but that we would be like Thomas who doubted and then saw you Help us to see You, to keep our eyes on You that we would not disbelieve any longer but believe that our hope is in You and not the timing that we want it to be. That our hope is in You and not something or some power other than You. Thank You that You are with us. That You didn't just go back to heaven and stay there, but You said You are with us now. You've given us the Holy Spirit now and I ask You to fill us, to tell the world about you. Because the only true light in this world is you. And help us to go out and watch you pierce the darkness that has taken over the lives of those around us, over us, of our country, of our world. Let us see you do what you do our victorious, almighty God. I pray this in your Son's name, Jesus. Amen.